Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Saturday morning Bible study. We're recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. And thank you so much for spending some time with us this Saturday morning. And our moderator today is Linda from New Jersey. Good morning. I'm going to read from, open with a quote from Miscellany by Mary Baker Eddy. Quote, the restoration of pure Christianity rests solely on spiritual understanding, spiritual worship, spiritual power. Ask thyself, do I enter by the door and worship only spirit and spiritually, or do I climb up some other way? Do I understand God is love? the divine principle of all that really is, the infinite good in which there is none else and in whom is all? Unless this be so, the blind is leading the blind, and both will stumble into doubt and darkness, even as the ages have shown. Today, if ye would hear his voice, Listen to his word and serve no other gods. Then the divine principle of good that we call God will be found an ever-present help in all things. And Christian science will be understood. It will, never, it will also be seen that this God demands all our faith and love. That matter, man or woman can never heal you nor pardon a single sin. While God, the divine principle of nature and man, when understood and demonstrated, is found to be the remote, predisposing, and present cause of all that is rightly done. End quote. Thank you. just love this quote because I felt it was what the Bible study was about, was about restoration. And the, and the only way for true restoration is Christian science and pure Christianity. And that he is a ever-present help, but we have to demonstrate. I just, just like the whole Bible study all in one quote to me. <laughs> yes, it's beautiful. So beautiful, so sobering. Well, and the fact, you know, everything, everything relies spiritual understanding, spiritual worship, spiritual power. It's like, you know, get rid of your materialism. Yeah. Stop yes. worshiping things. Yeah. Stop worshiping the effect of God's goodness and worship God's goodness. How, how important is the restoration of pure Christianity to you? Yeah. Do you ever even think about it? Yeah, it's, it's the ultimate thing. It has to be, or, or we're lost, I think. Yes. And I think about it a lot. Yeah. You know, we, we talked about how it was lost after Christ Jesus, what, 200 years after? The organization has lost it. 
So how important is it? Are you willing to do? I mean, it lists all these things we're to do. Are you in it for, for that, or are you just in it for the loaves and fishes? Who is going to speak? Well, pure Christianity includes the healing, which should be in the churches as well. So, yeah. Correct. These signs will follow those, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Healing will follow. Yeah. The pure Christianity. I'm sorry. Well, and what would clog the wheels of the healing? Why are those wheels clogged? Well, one, one thing you've described is trying to initiate like human rules instead of relying on inspiration. Yes. Self-will. Yeah, the adamant of error. Well, just all the secularism, the, the idea, you know, God is just an afterthought. Um, oh, that your love. Evil is real, Satan, all that talk. Yes. People come to it just for what they can get for themselves. And even though, you know, worshiping, is it with our whole heart or partly, part here, part there? It's a demand. And that is absolutely what this is saying. Do I enter the door and worship only spirit and spirituality or do I try to climb in some other way? All these questions, do I understand God is love, the divine principle of all that really is? Unless and, and then it goes on, but then unless this is so, the blind is leading the blind, and both will stumble in a doubt and darkness, even as the ages have shown. And it's still showing us this, right? Yes. What were you going to say, Carol? I said the pure love. That's been totally wiped out. The pure love. That's the only thing that works, that heals, because that is God. Yes. And our love for God and for each other, for mankind, and putting self aside. Yes. Play for power. People don't realize God is the only power. Yeah, ambition. Mm -hmm. Who's, who's going to be the greatest? Bruce? Well, I'm glad it asked these questions because it makes us want to look inside and introspect. And I'm sure we'll get into this, you know, rend, rend your heart and not your garments. In other words, don't go along with what's going to look good for others, but rather what's in the heart. What does God approve of? And the other thing that I thought of was the blind leading the blind. It's interesting how human nature it loves to lead and it loves to follow. Hmm. But who's going to look within and say, is this genuine or is it not? Yes. And if people found out that God is the leader and the only leader in being led down the wrong path if they unless they come to that realization. Mm -hmm. I love that Gilbert Carpenter's writings show how Mrs. Eddie followed all this in her life too. It's and that's why those books are so important. 
as an example of how she lived it and demonstrated it. And, and all of you, if you haven't got the Carpenter books, you all should have them in your library and study them. They are the true biography of Mrs. Eddy. Yes, they certainly are. Shardy, did you want to say something? Well, I was thinking about, you know, the, the people who are listening. They're called, and I think it's related here, uh, and it's probably for later, but uh, they're called, in, in one uh, Bible, and I think they're called the survivors. They're the people who are paying attention to the Reformation. And also, and, and in Moffat, he calls them the escaped. So people, there are people who are interested in the Reformation. They're, they're out there. Yep. Hopefully they're around this table. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that is my point. Yes. <laughs> and on the phone everywhere. And on, on the phone. And on this call, exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> because it will also be seen that this God demands not a little bit, not partly, all our faith and love. That matter, man or woman, can never heal you nor pardon a single sin. While God, the divine principle of nature and man, when understood and demonstrated, is to be found the remote, predispo predisposing, and present cause of all that is rightly done. What does that mean? Well, it just makes me think he's he's everywhere. He's got it all figured out, but he's also right here with us too. If we yes. want to get anything done rightly, it has to be him working. I think the emphasis on our unity with God is is paramount in, in everything, really. It has to be you know, has the, the word established in all of us. We are never separated from him. I feel that is so strongly. It's not a, it's, is he not a God at hand? And all that this is what makes him the ever-present help. And so we can't have a remote sense of him somewhere. That's what I get. Hmm. Yeah, and if, and, and think about, I, I find it helpful to go back to the synonyms. <clears throat> divine divine love you know love for God and man is the true incentive in healing and teaching divine love will always guide us aright if we try to do something without divine love behind it it's going to turn into a mess but if the love is behind it you know it can be awkward it can be you know, abrasive, it can be whatever, but if divine love is behind it, it will heal. God is truth. If something is, is truthful and honest, it will be right. But if it's done out of dishonesty or a dishonest motive, it'll, it'll turn to, to garbage. Well, God is not in it, so how is it? So it can't be right, exactly. And I thought it was saying, too, that whatever has been rightly done, past, present, and future, God was behind it. Mm -hmm. God, is the, God was the cause. And when I read in history, when I read things that were truly rightly done, 
whether it says it or not, I, I know, well, God was there. God was working. And usually later I will find out because now they like to admit God, uh, omit God as much as possible, that God was there, that person or event or had, had Christian prayers behind it, just as our last liberator. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't know all that about the Dunkirk, that all the prayer that went on that Anne from England sent to us. And also the the story of Frank's little hometown in Germany so many years ago was prayer, prayer, always is. Whatever is rightly done, God has been present in it. Make no mistake of it. It's absolutely the truth. And this idea, this cancel culture or whatever else is going on that's trying to cancel people and cancel Christianity, ha, 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 this, this, this Bible study, don't you mess with me. It's almost saying, okay, come on, come on, fight with me. We'll see what happens. You, you turn against Christianity, and so help me God, if anybody listening is, so help me God, I hope they learn this. Go ahead, you just try it. You try it and see what happens. So, I mean, nothing is right except for the way God wants his children to live. came to be strongly. That's it. Absolutely. And and it's impossible for it to be any other way because there is no other way. That's the whole point. If there was another way, well, we could, you know, we could compare the two, but there's no other way. There's no comparison. No comparison. That's why if you try, if you think there's some other way, well, it's the blind leading the blind. And it'll never turn out right. Because it can't. Yeah, when you find out you're in the ditch, just realize it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> realize what brought you there. <laughs> yeah. And like one of Peter's songs, you know, you can't dig your way out of a hole. <laughs> hmm. Okay, we should probably. Yeah, sure. Okay, so the topic today, title is Ye, uh, ye the Trumpet in uh, I don't know, that doesn't sound right. Well, blow, blow the trumpet. Oh, blow ye the trumpet in Zion. Sorry, I had notes here blocking it. Okay, and we're, the readings were from Joel chapter 1, 2, and 3. And question, the first question is, who is Joel? We don't know. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, he's a young prophet. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that's true. They, they, there's very little about the said there's like 14 of them in the Bible. Apparently, he was at the time when the most terrible plague of locusts happened. Yeah, I read a whole page about him, but then... The end of it. Yeah, but we really don't. Know. <laughs> but, well, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we just know what his father's name was. Or something. Voice mm-hmm. called wilderness. Mm-hmm. How do you pronounce his father's name? Excellent. Well, he's kind of you know he was kind of in there between Hosea and Amos. And he, uh, you know, he was obviously a spiritually minded guy at a time when there probably weren't very many Ugh. spiritually minded in the 
Judah or Jerusalem? Well, I read the prophet Joel spoke to the southern kingdom of Judah without making reference to the northern kingdom of Israel. It's hard to know his exact time because Joel doesn't mention any other kings or prophets. Many scholars date the book um, of Joel to 835 B.C. This makes Joel a pre-exilic prophet who served before the fall of the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. Other prophets of that time include Obadiah, Jonah, Hosea, Amos, Isaiah, and Micah. One of the earliest prophets, and only Obadiah prophesied before his time. And then it was a time of turmoil and transition in Judah, at the end of the reign of the queen mother, Attilia, and the beginning of the reign of King Joash. Attilia seized, seized power of the sudden death and battle of her son, Ahaziah, who only reigned one year. It just goes on to say what a terrible time it was and that she kind of was, it was a reign of terror at that time. Mm-hmm. So, um, no wonder. Then, Go ahead. No, no, it's just the name means Jehovah is God, which I think, yeah. 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 Say it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we can thank God even during the worst of times, you know, prophets rise up. The goodness of his of his presence is always there, even during the worst of times. I've been thinking. Some of us just recently watched a movie about Jeremiah, and in it, he was really he he didn't really seem to want to be the voice of God, but he was sort of pushed into it. So I just was thinking about that. How this, you know, came on. Even I remember that movie about Hosea. He seemed a little bit like, really? Is this really what? <laughs> you know? So I, I just was thinking that through here because these are some tough words to say to people. So. It, it truly is. And it isn't. No one ever wants that job. But you get where you have to. You have to speak because. Because you have no choice. You have no choice. Mm-hmm. And it's never a popularity contest, is it? No. 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 It's not something that anybody chooses to be. Anybody who chooses to be that doesn't really no, then doesn't it's, really no. fulfill the job no, no. properly. No. Well, they're suspect of their motives, right? Well, well exactly. Exactly. And they can't ever do the right job. No, you don't get up one morning and I'm going to be a prophet and tell people what to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Tell people off and have a great time doing it. <laughs> no, that's not how it works at all. So, Lars, were you going to say something? No, not this moment. All right. Anybody else? I was going to say probably just as well we don't know about his human background because I don't know, maybe it wasn't noteworthy and maybe that's what enabled him to hear the voice, hear the calling, and be who he was, a prophet of God, instead of formulated in some other mold. So. That's a point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> well, one thing I found was that 
Job uh, talked about the, the locusts and symbolized them to other nations. Beware of they charge like soldiers. They scale your war. So basically, whatever you learn from this terrible plague, you know, learn the lesson. You know, things can it can be if you don't do right, nations can be coming at you also. Uh, so extended to nations like Tyre, Sidon, Philistia, and Greece, has stolen treasures, temple treasures, and taken the people into captivity. So, I guess he had some, gave some foresight to the whole situation. Thank you. Good very point. Much. That's a nice lead-in to question number yeah. two, too. <laughs> Yes. Um, also, that uh, the image I was given by one of the commentaries was Joel was standing there in the stocks, the barren stocks, with all the people, and he spoke to them, and that just gave me an image. You know, he's there with them. Look at what's all around us. Um, there was nothing left um, when he's speaking to them. So, what is this lesson that Joel is trying to teach? You abandon God at your own peril. Mm. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And again, this isn't God doing anything to anybody. We're again, this talking in the relative and absolute. But what Gary said is correct. You abandon God at your own peril. There's a price. No, I mean, there's a price for disobedience, isn't there? Mm -hmm. That's why we have all the commandments. <laughs> Yeah, you mm -hmm. love keep my commandments, darn it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the Christ speaking. That's God speaking. The godliness in Jesus speaking. Mm -hmm. You want to disobey the rules that govern the universe? Well, you know, good luck. <laughs> And if enough do as a nation, good luck. Yeah, so much for that nation. There are yeah. a lot of a lot of throughout history. There are a lot of nations that once existed that no longer exist. Right? Yeah. Thought they were too big to fail. <laughs> That's it. God wasn't behind it. It cannot survive. Yeah, I was reading that the um, Joel talks about tell your children about it. The times were so remarkably difficult that parents would tell their children, I lived through the plague of the locusts. And then this just tells you what it was like. In 1915, a devastating plague of locusts covered what is modern-day Israel and Syria. The first swarms came in March in clouds so thick they blocked out the sun. The female locusts immediately began to lay eggs, a hundred at a time. Witnesses say that in one square yard there was many as 65,000 to 75,000 mm. eggs. In a few weeks they hatched and the young locusts assembled, resembled large ants. They couldn't fly yet and got along by hopping. They marched along 400 to 600 feet a day, devouring every speck of vegetation along the way. And two more stages of molting, after two more stages of molting, they became adults who could fly, and the devastation continued. 
And the description in, in Joel, I mean, it says it's like an army you've never seen before. Mm-hmm. It's an organized one, too. <laughs> organized, yes. Yeah, one of the accommodators said the church should be so organized. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, we, we disobey God. That's a, good, that's a good quote at our own peril. Title. <laughs> <laughs> like Amos, he was uh, pointing out the shaking. Wake up. Yes, he certainly was. He was, because, you know, we have to know this. This is why people don't want to read the Bible. They, who wants to read about this? Um, I mean, or who wants to think this could happen to us? And of course, we always say it never could happen to us. But it could. But in different ways, it can. It it has. I mean, we have been, we have a plague now. And it's hitting all the nations, not just one, everybody. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and is it, isn't it working to try to tell us something, you know, wake up, wake up? I mean, the United States has had so many wake-up calls with all these terrorist attacks and cities burning and everything. So how much more is it going to take? But we'll just know that the leaven of truth is working, and it is turning people to God. Um we saw it was a very beautiful little movie that Bob had, Parthens had recommended called The Miracle at Cokesville. And we tell them. Okay. Um, yeah, it was a town back in the 1980s where, you know, it was just a small town and there was a couple people from the police that were going out of town for some training or, or whatever. And at the same time, this guy came in who was really quite deranged, and he decided that he wanted to uh, bring a bomb into an elementary school. And he was gonna. He said he was gonna make the make the air be on fire, and um, but everybody. Which he seemed to be able to do. He figured out some way he could just make the air on fire. And the um but everybody in the town you know they they were christians they prayed and even the kids during this were praying on their own they didn't you know nobody had to tell them to do it and when it was time when the guy when the bomb ended up going off it didn't kill anyone the only people that died were the people that came in with the bomb and uh, all the kids were safe. And it, in in with the bomb were a whole bunch of bullets, and all the bullets were going off, and none of those hit anybody either. So, And afterwards, the children, the children did what, Charlie? What did they say? That, that, that were they saying, mm-hmm. the song, that, that when they were in Sunday school together? Well, that that, no, what's, what did they say? say? Always say. Oh. Yeah. Well, they saw angels. Oh, yeah, the angels were wonderful. Yeah. So they were everywhere, and every they child had their own angel. It, and they were usually a family member yes, that had the, passed. Uh-huh. And uh, 
Some were led out by the hand, others saw their images. And people were very dubious at first, but then they looked in the photo albums and they would say, that's the one, that was my angel. That was my and angel. And it was very beautiful. So, so in the, one of the sheriffs who was a, a non-believer, you know, he and his son was the one who said he saw his grandmother and his grandmother let him out. He said, you, you know, come on. And but then he the wife who was a believer said, well, why don't you investigate and, and prove to yourself what is true or not true? So he went around and asking other children and it was all they all experienced as angels. And they said his little boy said they came like light bulbs from this from the roof and they came down like shining light bulbs. And and in every instance, each child was taken care of miraculously. And then he went into all the other ways that the whole thing was such a miracle that the day before the um, alarm bells had been going off for no reason, but there was a practice of how to get out of the room safely. And then there was another reason why they opened up the windows. So there was a way of escape. And there was just all these things that transpired. Um, and so all those little children were safely taken care of as were the teachers and it was due to the power of prayer and um, it it was beautiful and then they did sing at the end of yeah. they all got together and they were singing even the teacher who was shot it, yes it ricocheted and went up to his shoulder and he lived they he all... lived they said it was a, it was a half an inch in a different place he would have died and he was back well Three days, three, later. three days later, <laughs> yes. Now, I I was around at this time. I don't ever remember hearing this story. So um, I, I guess my point being is that God is always working everywhere when you rely on him. And this was a very prayerful, it was a little town in Wyoming. But the miracle at Cokesville. Yeah, really, really good movie. And it just made me think afterwards about the, you know, the, the cop guy that was, he was like trying to prove it wrong and just, it's not a good idea to, to like be the devil's advocate. <laughs> we got to recognize the truth when we see it. Yeah. And his wife said, instead of, you know, being on your knees for, in gratitude about what happened, he was just questioning the whole thing. And, and how often does that happen? You know, instead of just saying, wow, that is God's presence and power. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, that can't be true. Or, And then you wonder why you're such a, have so little faith. You don't even see it when it's in front of your nose. You don't acknowledge it. And what does Mrs. Eddy say? Uh, if you don't acknowledge, what is it? It's God's, I'm, that's a phrase. It's fatal, she says. Fatal. Yeah, some people yield slowly to the truth. Some people, but unless you've admitted it, you know, it's. How can he be the ever present help when you're denying he is the ever present help? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was so sweet. And when this was going on, one of the one of the children said, "Let's say a prayer and pass it on." And so they all were just saying prayers and with their little heads bowed. And that's when things really started to change.
I mean, it even affected the so-called terrorists. He couldn't terrorists. even stay in the room. He couldn't stay in the room. He got up. He left. You could see. So, um, never doubt. So, yes, that was Joel's intent, like so many of the other prophets, waking up people. Look what happens. Disobey God at your own peril. Who else? Anyone else on that? Any other lessons Joel was trying to teach? This is a good time to share the... Oh, yes. That is a good time. Thank you. All right. On our uh, noteworthy news, we have a story I'm going to share uh, that I um, found. <clears throat> and it uh, happened in 2016 in November. And uh, there was a wildfire that broke out in the Tennessee mountains, in the Smoky Mountains. And there were like strong winds, I believe they said up to like 90 miles an hour. And it was dry and there was a drought at the time. And they had to evacuate. And in the midst of this, after uh, uh, the fires were put out, and uh, some of it, it in the end had to be a miracle because at some points the, they couldn't even stop it. The, the speed of it, the fire. Um, but this, there was a young man who worked at the Dolly Parton Park, and that wasn't burned, but the debris and everything, he was cleaning up, and they had closed the park so that they could help clean up all the businesses around the area and help the people that had lost homes. And while he was cleaning up, he uncovered a burned Bible page from the book of Joel, so that's what I'm going to share with you. Um, so uh, let me get to the part. Okay, so he, as he was cleaning up, I guess there was somebody made a joke about, uh, uh, they said, is this how you clean your room? So that made him go back to a little spot he had been raking and cleaning up. And he said that he went back to the spot he had just raked, and that's when he noticed a piece of paper floating in a puddle under a bench. Curious, he took a closer look, and to his amazement, he discovered a burned Bible page. And then he uh, read, he said, when we both fully read it, we looked at each other, and I will never forget this moment. We both burst into tears. I was ghost white, and we just prayed. There was nothing else to do. And he said, I, I still, this moment, I do not have words for it, he said, and he uh, he said, I think, I believe he sat for a couple of hours just taking it all in at the time, and eventually he saved it on Facebook. And if you want to go on to our link, you can actually see the burned page. And uh, so these are the verses that were not burned on this one page in the puddle. And it's from Joel 1.15. Quote, the day of the Lord is near, the day when destruction comes from the Almighty. How terrible that day will be, end quote. And then from Joel 1, 19. To you, Lord, I call, for fire has devoured the pastures in the wilderness, and flames have burned up all the trees of the field. Joel 1, 20. Even the beasts of the field pant for you, because the water brooks are dried up, 
and the fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. And then at the very bottom, there was another one from Joel 2.1. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. End quote. And um, so he shared this so that other people could have hope. He felt there was hope because, of course, he went on to the other quotes that we'll probably discuss later about that God will restore if you turn to him and repent. But I just uh, wanted to share that story because you can see that these quotes were exactly how he found them all by itself under this bench that day. <laughs> Thank you. And you can read that on Noteworthy, Noteworthy News, that whole story. And a whole bunch of other really good things. And a whole bunch of other <laughs> yes, really and a bunch good of other good stuff. Very inspiring. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Linda. And so the next question is, what do the people need to do? Here and obey. Here and obey, yes. Matthew Henry says, our business on earth must especially be to secure an interest in our Lord Jesus Christ, and we should seek to be weaned from objects, which will soon be torn from all who now make idols of them. Thank you. In, in Joel, uh, chapter 2, 12 and 13, Mm -hmm. Turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart, and not your garment, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. Thank you. No, I just feel like it's just like we sh it should matter to all everyone how we are living. Um, uh, is it according to what God wants? I mean, it should matter, I guess is the point uh, I feel. It's not, oh, if I want to or when I want to. It's just the way we should heed the word and live the best we can that way. Yes. Yeah. No, they should start each morning by knowing that God is their mind. God is the only pure and perfect mind. God is their life. To, to try to live life without God would be a, a disaster. And then study whatever scriptures you've got, whatever lesson you've got. Find your way, as Florence said earlier, Find your relationship with God. That's what they should. That's what. Isn't that what any of us should ever do? It's nice. It's beautiful that Mrs. Eddie has given us its duties. You know, pay attention to the duties that we have to carry on. Yeah. We do it with love, of course. Yeah. 
Yeah, not by rotely, but with love and understanding. I'm so grateful. You know, I had Sunday school teachers that taught me to memorize the three daily duties. Um, I know many, as I've said, lifelong scientists class taught, they don't even know anything about them, nor about a lot of these things, nor about the, the way to use a, your textbook your, as a textbook to study it to read it through over and over. All these things Mrs. Evans taught us. And I doubt I would have known if I hadn't had this boot camp training. I read where um, God had sent them to a place where only heaven could help them so they could look for no other help. And that often will happen. Um, I wanted to share with you, Mrs. Evans had given us beautiful things from prose works. And, and one was on this, on sincerity. And what Betty read from Joel, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping, with mourning. You, you can't fake this. Sincerity is such an important quality. Essential. Yes, essential. The definition of it is honest of mind or intention freedom from hypocrisy, disguise, or false pretense. And I believe it was either, I don't know, it's Mrs. Eddie or Mrs. Evans, but one of them said that she could always heal an honest person. Honesty is spiritual power. Dishonesty is human weakness. And weakness. Which forfeits divine health. Honesty is so critical. Sincerity. So in miscellaneous writings on page 106, it has long been a question of earnest import. How shall mankind worship the most adorable, but most unadored? And where shall begin that praise that shall never end? Beneath, above, beyond, methinks, I hear the soft, sweet sigh of the angels answering. So live that your lives attest your sincerity and resound his praise. And that's, that's just what uh, Florence was talking about. <laughs> live, it, live it in your lives. And also, and I won't read all this, but Mrs. Eddy's article on fidelity, most important. And it, it um, relates directly to Joel. Maybe I'll read more of it later, but... Um, I'll read some of it later. Anyway, and then this in Message for 1900. The secret of Christian science in right thinking and acting is open to mankind, but few comparatively see it. Or seeing it, shut their eyes and wait for a more convenient season. Or as of old, cry out, Why art thou come hither to torment me before the time? Strong bias, human judgment, and misguided actions, else, oh, strong desires, bias, human judgment, and misguided actions, else they uplift them. But the reformer continues his lightning, thunder, and sunshine, which is what Joel was doing, till the mental atmosphere is clear. The reformer must be a hero at all points. And he must have conquered himself before he can conquer others. Sincerity is more successful than genius or talent. Mm -hmm. And then no one can fight against God and win. 
And then this is message for 1901. All that is true is a sort of necessity, a portion of the primal reality of things. Truth comes from a deep sincerity that must always characterize heroic hearts. It is the better side of man's nature developing itself. And then finally, miscellany 203, our thoughts beget our actions. They make us what we are. Dishonesty is a mental malady which kills its possessor. It is a sure precursor and its possessor is mortal. A deep sincerity is sure of success, for God takes care of it. That's the one you were often given. Mm-hmm. A deep sincerity is sure of success, for God takes care of it. So in whatever you do, be sincere, honest in it all, no hypocrisy. And if you do that, you will make progress. If you don't and you cover up your sins, you won't. But to me, this is one of the lessons from Joel, what he was telling us. And it's throughout the Bible, too, isn't it? And just think of Paul when he was Saul and persecuted the Christians. He did it with an honest heart. He thought he was really doing what God wanted. And it was his honesty that enabled God to use him for good. So there's, you know, there's hope for all of us. (laughs) (laughs) If we will be honest. Whenever I think of the need to be honest, I, I, we saw a movie a while ago called The Best of Enemies. And in it, there was, there was a lot of racial issues, but there was one the sort of main white guy was the head of the kkk for the area and he was really but he was quite honest about what he believed and one of the one of the people on the opposing side thanked him for being honest and i was glad that that was brought out because it was through that honesty that he ended up being able to change and renounce the kkk and you know end up being good good lifelong friends with the main lady so i I, that was a really powerful message in that it was that was a great movie too mary mrs eddie ended her preface to science and health when she says that she's committing these pages to honest seekers for truth thank you yes Mm -hmm. can't fake it Anyone else, Bruce? Well, honesty is everything. The price of dishonesty is that people aren't going to believe you even if you later tell the truth. So why go down that trap path? Well, that's true. A man who cried wolf. Yeah. What about Karen? Is she here? She often knows. No. No. No, I think, no, she's not today, I don't think. It's too bad she's missing out. Yeah. Well, and she has a lot to give, too, when mm-hmm. she's here. As you all. The great treasure of being honest is that even if you have a lot to learn, 
and honestly we all do, you will always find a way. True, the truth will open the way for whatever it is you need. Well, I love this one commentary I read where he said there's excuses that we have for not coming and repenting, and he matched them to the quote that uh, Betty gave us, and it's, he, he said, it's too late, it's gone on for too many years, and in the quote it says, you know, now, you know, turn now, and then the other excuse was, oh, I've done this before, um, but the commentator said, no, you might have changed your garment. You need to go deal with this deeply and uh, rend your heart, not your garments, as it was said. And then the third one was, um, oh, God has written me off. And it's addressed here, no, God is a gracious God. And I love in our lesson, we have Jeremiah, therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. And then in Psalm, it was... O oh Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness, for they have been ever of old. I just thought it was beautiful how those were put in with the lesson. Thank you. Those are great uh, answers to the uh, error lies that keep you entrapped. Thank you. Yes. Those are the Nagling suggestions that come to us. Oh, yeah, this was something I thought I wanted to read to you. Is it goes back to what Florence was talking about, obeying the Ten Commandments and also having honesty. It, it's from Spurgeon. He tells the story of a woman who came seeming to be in great sorrow, saying what a great sinner she was. But Spurgeon, suspected her repentance wasn't sincere, said, Well, if you are a sinner, of course you have broken God's laws. Let's read the Ten Commandments and see which ones you have broken. They started at the first. You, sh you shall have no other gods before me. And Spurgeon asked her if she ever broke that commandment. Oh, no, she said. No, not that one. No, never. You shall not make any graven image. Did you ever break that one? Oh, never, sir, never. As you might suppose, Spurgeon went through all Ten Commandments, and she could not find a single one that she'd broken. And what he suspected was true. She didn't really consider herself a sinner, and she was making a show of repentance because she thought it was expected of her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, That's old theology, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And, and so many times maybe you think, I mean, I thought that too. I never broke any commandments. I wasn't a sinner, but... Yes, I was. So um, I sinned in the forms of negativity and fear and other disobediences. And we must be honest with ourselves so these things can come to the surface to be healed. Our repentance must be sincere from the heart. Honesty is required. Brutal honesty. And then we give it all up to God and know it was never the truth about ourselves. I was just thinking about the sins that, oh, yeah, I've never committed, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. You know, when God calls, he expects a response. And think about how many times I've been so lazy and just haven't done when the impulse has come to do. And uh, it says in here that the Lord restores the years the locusts have eaten, 
doesn't necessarily means he restores the, the past time gone past, but he opens the opportunities for good. But this idea of being lazy and selfish is one of those sins that will, um, will throw you off. So more and more I'm learning to listen more carefully. God, I'm your servant. If you want me to do something for you, I will gladly do it when you say. And it's quite a, a model to hold in thought and uh, something to aspire to. Thank you. Okay, the last, I guess. Unless anyone else has more on this. Okay, the final question was, what are God's promises? I love the one part where it says, he says, rejoice and be glad in God. Mm-hmm. Verse 23. Thank you. Joel 2. people that confine their talk to subjects that are profitable that St. John informs us took place once in heaven would happen very frequently on earth. Silence for the space of a half an hour. So, I don't know. That's fidelity. And that speaks of the great blessings that come in being faithful. But also those that come when you are not seem to come when you're not. And one of my most favorite statements from Joel, what I know Joel for was that one, the, the Lord will restore the years the locust hath eaten. And that's a promise. Um, there's a good sermon by Spurgeon, a long sermon, Gary says <laughs> I have books from Spurgeon. It's called Truth Stranger Than Fiction, and it the whole thing is all about that statement from Joel and he brings out the various ways that the locusts come by your by not being faithful by thinking you know there'll be a better time to do this work or also he speaks about the sin of backsliding you make some progress and then you give up and I mean I, I see it the people that come and I'm grateful when you come back. <laughs> and I, I I used to do that, and then I just got, oh, so hard to keep crawling back out of that hole. I just did not want to go back down that road again. So just keep going, even if it's a baby step at a time. But don't backslide. Go forward. Go forward, no matter how hard. Even if you're crawling, keep going. I makes you think about retracing your steps and tears. Yes. If you're going to have tears with, you know, steps with tears, you might as well do it in the right direction instead <laughs> yeah. of coming back. Yes. Yep. Fidelity. Carelessly or remorselessly, thou mayest have sent along the ocean of events a wave that will sometime flood thy memory, surge dolefully at the door of conscience, and pour forth the unavailing tear. Change and grave may part us. The wisdom that might have blessed us in the past may come too late. One backward step, 
one relinquishment of right in an evil hour, one faithful, faithless tarrying has torn the laurel from many a brow and repose from many a heart. Good is never the reward of evil and vice versa. There is no excellent with, excellence without labor and the time to work is now. Only by persistent, unremitting, straightforward toil, by turning neither to the right nor to the left, seeking no other pursuit or pleasure than that which cometh from God, you can win and wear the crown of the faithful. This was another chapter we were often told to read and to study and to take to heart. And when you do that, God can restore the years that the locusts have eaten. That's why you never can get down in the slump and say, oh, it's too late. I damn, my life's a mess. I'm screwed. I mean, as Gary brought out the story of Paul, Saul coming to Paul, he could have done that. I mean, we all could do that. I mean, that's one of the excuses that Linda read, right? God's given up on me. Wrote it down. Written me off. Yeah. Well, sorry, folks. That's just a lousy. You're not getting off that easy. It's very encouraging because it talks here later about the multiples being in the valley of decision. Yes. But also on to say that the day of the Lord is there in the valley of decision. You know, we have valleys of decisions every day. But uh, the point is, is to keep going, you know, straightforward toil, consistent and unremitting. Don't get into the depression because then you're in the valley of indecision where you're not going to be doing anything at all. Yes. And that's the laziness that you just mentioned earlier. Right. The laziness, right. yes. The valley of decision, Gilbert Carpenter talks about it and watch 180 and 500 watching points. So watch that you make the right decision in the valley of decision. One is called upon to decide between a human experience that is harmonious under the effects of demonstration, but which brings little growth, and one that brings increasing development because of constant problems. There can be little development unless one has opportunities to demonstrate. There's yes. more to that. Yep. Yeah. And I've seen it. I've lived long enough to see when you are faithful, it doesn't matter what past mistakes you've made. The way God restores the years of the locusts have eaten is truly amazing. You might not get back exactly what you think you once lost. I certainly, I mean, um, Virgin is quite strong on this, but he certainly won't get back that time he lost. But time is infinite, and it you get renewed in many different ways. Many different blessings still come, right? It, it's amazing. You will be renewed even better. Better, I feel. Like Job. Like yeah. Job. He didn't get yeah. his daughters back. He got better back. And in Job 25, it says, I realize it's not a, it won't be tiresome this path in, in life doing right. And he says, you shall eat plenty and be satisfied. And the, the wonderful thing was, about the locusts, I realize they have natural enemies, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm. It's a great army I will send among you. So whatever comes up against us, he's not just there. I mean, we're not there alone, but in the background, he's just taking care of it before he even gets to us if we're doing right. Thank you. He never did it in the first place. Hmm. Yes. 
Yeah, we don't have to have the, the locust at all. And if, if for any reason we have had, it, it can be restored, yes, better than before, if you're faithful. And you don't do it for that reason. You do it because it's right by God to do it. And the, the years that the locusts have eaten were the years that you spent trying to do things the wrong way. <laughs> and then when you finally turn around, all that stuff that you lost was, what was that? So it's about the only thing you gets destroyed or sin, disease, and death. <laughs> but all that stuff that you were doing the wrong way gets destroyed. And then you turn around and, and as a, in the parable, you came unto himself and you wake up and you go, oh, and you start doing it the right way and it gets restored. Yes, thank you. There's, yeah, there's a time to do the turning around because I'm feeling that this, the sinfulness of continued unbelief, you know, of God's allness, that his power is all, and keep believing in the lies. And as we learn in science, which only science can tell, um, you know, looking at the body or looking at the air and believing in that more, um, we have to be aware of that. There's a, this awful continued unbelief. Even if you're not, not in our own experience, all the Bible stories, all these wonderful things that God has done and Jesus did, Mrs. Eddie, it should help us some. Mm-hmm out of the way to start having some faith that God is the only power, I feel. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Yes, and when we see it happen, and when we see it happen in our lives, recognize it and thank God for it. Don't ever forget it. Yes. Lest you forget. And Mrs. Eddie says you can never lose what God gives, right? You can't yeah. lose it's real you've never really lost it it's a bad dream and you awaken from that bad dream and find out all ha- is restored it's impossible to lose what god gives and he gives life truth and love he gives all good but sometimes people need a lesson in gratitude right mm-hmm. yeah. mrs evans used to tell us i've been telling that you, you will lose what you're not grateful for so if you're not grateful for something I know. And I think you, you just also lose the things you're happy to end losing. <laughs> I know. When I first came here, my practitioner said that about God will restore. And yeah, it, thankfully, it's not that same stuff back because you don't want that same stuff back. <laughs> well, that's right. That's right. <laughs> all, only only good. good. Only good. Yeah, you sure don't want any of that old stuff. So. So it's quite a wonderful promise. There's an article that's going to be in the next Liberator, and it's called. It's by uh, Willis Gross. One little paragraph says, "Each individual experience is a mine of richest treasure, whose whose gems lie beneath the surface. Only he who goes beneath the material sense of things can find treasures and know their value." Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yep. Constant toil. Yeah. It takes work. Yep. But it's worth it. Mm-hmm. It's when you work in the right direction. 
you earn, what you earn is incredible. All the treasure. It's a treasure. Nobody can ever take it from you. I looked up prepare war because I remember reading that in a few places. And Mrs. Evans wrote about it on page 139. And in that, she says, being a Christian scientist is not a passive undertaking. It is an active way of life filled with the joy of accomplishing a holy purpose. It is totally unselfish. It reaches out to its brother man and is genuinely helpful. And that's what life worth living the only life worth living. <laughs> it's the only life, period. <laughs> I like what we've read recently and talk, spoken about the reliable now. Now is the only time that there is. And Mrs. Eddy says that only now is when principle operates. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's where we are now. Yeah. So it's up to us to operate it, isn't it? Yes. So, okay, well, time has come, and um, we're going to have two more Bible studies, the 22nd of May and the 5th of June. Yeah, the next Bible study will be three weeks, not two yeah, weeks. Yeah, so we'll have so we'll have break mark, in mark there. your calendars accordingly. <laughs> And thank you, Linda. Thank Linda very much. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Important to thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.